from the upfront performance space in the spirited Brewery District neighborhood. Whiskey Business Podcast presents The Premise with your host, Dino Tripodis. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anytime you can get a round of applause walking out of a men's room, that's a good start to the evening. Good evening, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to The Premise. We are back. We are back. And uh, allow me to digress just a little bit and explain to you what you're about to see this evening. The premise consists of the following. Two very smart comedic talents will be handed a premise this evening that they have not seen or heard until this evening. They will then sit at the table where they are sitting right now and attempt to write five minutes of stand-up comedy in 20 minutes time. And then they will perform that five-minute set for you and you, the massive audience here this evening will determine who the winner will be. There can only be one winner. While they are writing, we are privileged to have the very talented and funny Mr. Mike Larson is here tonight. He will be performing for you and then sitting down with me. And how about a round of applause for our two contestants tonight, Dan Seabree and Ian Miller will be up here as well. And throughout the evening, we'll just be talking and podcasting and comedying. That's not a word, but okay, we're going to do that tonight. And I also want to thank, uh, thank Upfront and Shadowbox for uh, calling and inviting us back. Uh, the last time we were here was 2020 BC, <laughs> before COVID. And things were moving along at a nice little clip. Everything was going great. Great houses, great people, a lot of enthusiasm. And then that damn long winter's nap occurred and everything went down the shitter, as they say. But we're thrilled to be back, yes? No more masks. We're doing our due diligence, everything we need to do. But I got to be kind of honest with you a little bit. I, uh, from time to time, wouldn't mind another little lockdown, right? Just, I mean, I know that the reasons were bad, but the benefits were kind of good, weren't they? A little bit, I mean, you, yeah. I wouldn't mind being locked down for no apparent reason for another couple of weeks. You did more streaming in that time period than you ever did in your entire life. There's no way in hell I would have watched three seasons of you on Netflix, no. Wouldn't have happened. Wouldn't have, cocktails at 11 o'clock in the morning, yes. I would have had them at 10, but I wasn't up yet beautiful thing and my favorite thing not dealing with the bullshit of other people on a regular basis not dealing with that one asshole at work who bitches about the same thing uh, you know what I'm getting sick and tired of people stealing my lunch out of the refrigerator god damn it I'm sick and tired of it it happens every day you know what I'm going to do what are you going to do Frank here's what I'm going to do I'm going to get one of those baby cams I'm going to get one of those baby cams those cameras and a teddy bear yep that's what I'm going to do I'm going to catch this son of a bitch stealing my lunch and then then there'll be hell to pay yeah that's good yeah you're going to stick a big old teddy bear in the lunch table in the break room point it at the refrigerator nobody will catch on to that and when they do you'll find out it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. I've been stealing your lunch. And by the way, turkey four days in a row? Switch it up, goddammit. Throw some ham in there. <sighs> so yeah, I wouldn't mind a lockdown again. 
But those two, those two, those two years were, oof, they were crazy. I celebrated a couple of birthdays, and I'm happy and uh, unhappy about the fact that uh, a week from tomorrow, I will turn 64 years of age. Don't, don't, no, don't, no, don't, don't clap for that. Because here's the deal: when I was a younger man, and I would go visit people who were in their mid-60s, they were, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Dead. They were dead. Because that's how it worked when I was young and growing up. You got married at a young age, you had kids, you worked hard, and then you died before you could enjoy any of it. <sighs> 64. But that's okay, because I'm in a good spot in my life. And what I like to call, I'm in the, what I like to call the, the cool, calm, and neglected years of my life. Neglected, yes. Nobody gives a shit about what I say or what I do at going on 64 years of age, and I couldn't be happier about it. And I, I am a lot cooler. I don't mean hipper. I mean cooler in the respects that I don't get upset about stuff. I take things in stride. I did get upset uh, just last week when I was having a conversation with a younger guy, and I, was, I, was, I didn't like his tone. I was bitching about gas prices, and he just laughed and went, <laughs> okay, boomer. And I went, oh, all right. And I went, hey, listen, punk, when I was your age, gas prices, and you know what? I see it now. You're right. Okay, absolutely. I know what you're talking about. Yes, yes, Gen Zer, you are correct. I am boomer. Let us sit, and I will tell you about a television that only had four channels. Come, come. 64. My older friends keep telling me, hey, buddy, one more year. Hey, one more year. You're, you're on Medicare. How about that, huh? I'm like, oh, okay, all right, great, yeah. I've been on a plan since I turned 60. It's called I don't care. I don't care. I don't care that I get to go to a doctor for free next year. Why? All he's going to do is tell me what I can't do, can't drink, can't smoke, can't eat this for the next 20 years so I can be fucking miserable. I don't want that. I want to live my life. And I am much calmer in my 60s as well. I don't take the bait for an argument on a regular basis like I used to. I used to love the fight a little bit more, but it got me nowhere. Example is with my significant other. Um, we've been together a long time. And every once in a while, you know, the fact that we're not married starts to become an issue after all these years. And then she just said, what was she saying? She goes, you're going to die alone. You're going to die alone surrounded by your precious bourbon collection and your Cuban cigars and your idiot poker player friends. And I'm like, hey, stop teasing. Because <laughs> that is sexy talk right now. And you're kind of turning me on a little bit, to be perfectly honest. <sighs> turning me on a little bit. That's the other thing that has slowed down. And I don't have no problem admitting that either. Sex in my 60s. It's, uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to say I don't, I don't suffer from uh, erectile dysfunction, but I definitely have erectile disinterest. I just don't care anymore. It's, it's just, it's, it's too much. It really is. I'm like, you, know, I'm, you know what it is? I'm like, that, I'm like that dog when he was younger would chase every cat that came in his way. Now I'm like that old dog on the porch, and I see the cat, and I go, huh? I'll never catch that pussy. <laughs> cat. 
cat. Yeah. Things have slowed down, and that's okay. You know, in fact, to be perfectly honest with you, if my penis were on a Chinese menu, it would be listed as no cock pow. <laughs> with a side of limp lo mein. And a fortune cookie that reads, next time, make better choices. <laughs> that would be if the woman was reading the fortune cookie. I hate when I have to explain them. Yeah, but eh, it's okay. No, not married. Not married at 64 years of age, and I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't. I was married when I was young and learned my lesson. I was married at 21 years of age, was married for five and a half years, got divorced, and then have never married since. And I hear that from women all the time. What's the matter? Can't you make a commitment? And I said, I've been divorced for over 35 years. I think that's one hell of a commitment. Thank you very much. Yeah. Because uh, the one thing, they say the older you get, the wiser you get. And I think that's bullshit because uh, I think the older you get, you just drink more Budweiser is what you do and try to stumble through because I still don't understand women. I still cannot figure out the complexities of the female brain. Um, why is it, ladies, if you have a bad dream about us, your significant other, you will hold us responsible for said bad dream, even though it came out of your fucked up subconscious. Yeah, I, I, I go to bed happy as a clam, wake up happy as a clam, and get smacked upside the head. I go, what the hell? She goes, I had a dream last night you had sex with my sister. I know what I should have said was, honey, that's ridiculous. What came out of my mouth was, wow, I didn't even think your sister liked me. <laughs> yeah. But I do, I do sometimes pine. I do sometimes pine for my, uh, my, my younger years. Who's anybody in this room in their, in their 30s? In their 30s. Anybody? 30s? Yeah? Yeah. Ride that train as long as you can. That, yeah, Brett, you are not 30. You are 30, you are 30 squared, my friend. <laughs> at, the, at the very least. But the 30s was probably the greatest decade of my life. I was invincible, man. I could do everything. It's, uh, it's just like, you know, you got, I remember, like, it's a, I, I, I screwed up my, my shoulder the other day just by turning the wrong way. <laughs> that never happened in my 30s. My 30s, like, what happened to your shoulder? This, too. went out drinking with the guys who got into a car, crashed in the tree, screwed up my shoulder. And I was like, well, what happened to your shoulder? Somebody startled me. <laughs> I actually threw out a back muscle last week. You want to know how? Pooping. <laughs> sad, sad. <laughs> oh, but man, it's okay. And I can't believe my daughter, I have a daughter who just turned 41 years of age. I can't believe that I have a 41-year-old. She's coming to to visit with her boyfriend. They'll be here uh, Sunday night, as a matter of fact. And uh, uh, the good news there, speaking of marriage, is that uh, the, they, are, they live together in New York City and they are now engaged to be married. Hey, yeah, it's wonderful. It is good, it's great. When my daughter told me that, I didn't, uh, apparently didn't react the way I should have. Um, because she says to me, are you upset that I'm engaged to be married? I said, no, sweetheart, no, 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 not at all. It's just when you told me, I had this emotional flashback of all your years from when you were a small child to a teenager to this beautiful young woman you are today. And, and, and I got a little, a little sad for a second because now, you know, there's going to be someone else there. And then I remember a psychology article that I read that said that when daughters marry for the first time, 
they unconsciously pick someone that reminds them of their father. <laughs> Great. I guess I can look forward to my future son-in-law being a heavy drinking, compulsive gambling asshole with intimacy issues. <laughs> the flip side of the coin is if they break up, I got a new buddy. <laughs> Are you guys ready to start the premise this evening? Yes? All right. We start things off this evening by first introducing your contestants for tonight. And as they select their premise, so please welcome up to the stage Dan Seabree and Ian Miller. I like the very fast introduction music. They're like, they're already on stage, but hit it. <laughs> Gentlemen, welcome to the premise. Thank you for being our first contestants of this new season. Nice to have you both. Thank you. Now, we've understood the premise, how it works. What we have here is a coin that I will flip. It is an old, lucky gambling coin of mine with a... It says 30 years clean. Isn't that yes, great? That's, yeah. really <laughs> <laughs> That's the head, and the other one is tails. So uh, you guys pick heads or tails, and that person will get to choose premise number one or number two, depending on which one they think might be up their alley. So with the flip of the coin... Who's calling heads? I'll call heads. It is Tails. What's up? Tails, you, my friend, get to select premise one or premise two. I'll take premise two. Take premise two, which leaves you with premise number one. Open up premise number one, and I will explain to the audience what the title means and what you'll have to actually spend the next 20 minutes writing five minutes of stand-up material for. The problem with parents. The problem with parents means that you can write five minutes of material on parents, be they your parents, your significant other's parents, grandparents, step-parents, pet parents, uh, foster parents, any type, anything in the parent world is yours to write five minutes of stand-up for. Right. Ah, I'm screwed. Dan's got shitty parents, so <laughs> there's a lot there. I'm sorry. Not, right. that, I didn't. Just one. Just one. No spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, open up yours. Yeah, I can't. Open up envelopes. I had a very healthy childhood, so don't listen to Ian. <laughs> <laughs> Premise number two is... Dazed and comedically confused. All right. Dazed and comedically confused means any and all five minutes based on drugs, alcohol, or any other type of substances that may be involved. We it got could a ball be, game. It could be pot. It could be crack, cocaine, smack, heroin, over-the-counter drugs, prescription drugs. He read, he read uh, Dino just read us for filth. He's like, he saw both of us. He's like, I bet either one or both of you is into drugs and has bad parents. <laughs> <laughs> It's fucked up. <laughs> maybe I did my research ahead of time. Maybe. Just maybe. All right. So without further ado, give these two gentlemen a nice round of applause. Because we are about to send them to the writer's table where you will have 20 minutes to write five minutes of stand-up material. Greg Hansberry, take it away with a little bit of business. Whiskey Business is the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with Whiskey, thank you so much for coming this evening and subscribing on your favorite podcasting app. Tonight's show is the world's first game show, talk show, stand-up show, live podcast, The Premise. 
Download, subscribe, rate, review on your favorite podcasting app. You can find Whiskey Business, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Disney Plus after Mandalorian on Wednesday nights. No, 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 no. no. Maybe no. someday, but... Uh, YouTube, no. Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. All your info and uh, favorite Whiskey Business archives, whiskeybusinesspod.com. And thank you to our parent company, evergreenpodcast.com. For right now, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me a great deal of pleasure to bring up to the stage someone who has been on Whiskey Business. That is our regular, normal podcast. The podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. He's been on our show. He's been here at the premise before as well. And he was more than gracious to come back and help us kick off another go-round of entertainment. So without further ado, please enjoy my good friend, Mr. Mike Larson. How about a hand for Dino Tripodis? I hope it's okay that I'm moving your set pieces around so I can... Uh... So since the idea here of the show is the premise, I thought it was only right to uh, to do some uh, new material for tonight. So if, you, so if you don't mind if I have to look at my notes every now and again. Um, but uh, anyway, my name is Mike Larson. I'll be your comedian for the next uh, 10 minutes. And that is for my fellow panic attack people. We like to know there's an end in sight. So relax. Take your hand off the clonopin in your pocket. You're in a safe space. I already have to. Now, I will say, though, uh, in preparing this material, I was Im imagining a, a packed house. So, you know, just kind of use your imagination, Lauren. So I, uh, I should also tell you that uh, I'm something of a liar, so I, very, I may have just told you it was 10 minutes because I knew if I told you the real number, it would frighten you. And I've learned in my life that if I start a new relationship with bullshit that makes me sound better than I really am, it leads to a lifelong relationship. I've been married 20 years. My wife still thinks I invented beer pong. Or at least she is too nice to bring it up in conversation. We have a relationship like that. But this is a weird relationship, the comedian audience relationship. It's weird because only one of us is real, right? That's me, an audience isn't really a thing. You didn't leave the house as an audience. An audience, if anything, it's a collection of unrelated things. You are the kitchen junk drawer of humanity. Yeah, right? You got like an old roll of scotch tape with a tear on it so you never get a clean piece and you, you got some pens that don't work and some may never. You got a deck of cards with a pretty back but it's not all there. Yeah. And it's just a, uh, I'm sorry, see this is so... But uh, together we form this, this audience. You, know, they, 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 you, you look around, you wouldn't give anyone in this room a ride to the airport, but suddenly tonight you're ready to judge comedians who themselves may be on the verge of a panic attack. Look at Dan, oh my God, he's a wreck. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> but. But it is, a, it is this relationship that is... Uh, Real, even though you are not, which is kind of mind-blowing, because the audience really determines whether or not comedians have a good night after the show, you know? Whether or not we go home and say, oh, it was a great show, pour a drink or whatever, or whether we lay in bed 
wishing a bad case of shingles on any of the assholes who ever encouraged us to pursue comedy. What was my mother thinking? So through uh, years of uh, therapy and self-realization, by which I mean alcoholism and self-pity, I've kind of realized what that crystallizing moment was in my comedy life, that moment where I could have gone one or two ways, and I was seven years old and I was in big trouble. I made a nun cry at school. Ooh. And I knew I was getting a spanking. Everyone knew I was getting a spanking. I had never seen my brothers happier than they were that day, knew when I was going to get a spanking. And I deserved it. I made a nun cry, for God's sake. So I went into the other room, and my mom grabbed me, and as she pulled me over her knee, she noticed that I had stuck an Encyclopedia Britannica in the back of my pants. Now, any other mom in that moment would have made me take the book out of my pants and beat the crap out of me with it. But not my mom. My mom laughed. And it wasn't just a laugh. It was a belly laugh. It was a gut laugh. She laughed so hard I fell off her knee. She called my dad in, which, you know, figures a more serious adult to administer the punishment. And he laughed, too. In fact, he could barely get out a go-to-your-room and a kind of half-assed swipe at my head as I passed. But, but the spanking was averted. And that had a pr profound effect on a seven-year-old boy. Oh, where was I going? <laughs> you know what I like about you guys? As an audience, you didn't even know each other. And yet, in unison, you all decided that that joke just fell flat. And that is impressive. Without, uh, without rehearsals or anything? That is good stuff, man. Yeah, did you? You brought up Catholics or you had nuns? So you know. You oh. Sister Ida Patricia called my mom and she was crying on the phone. Oh my God, was I dead. I'll tell you later what I did to make the, make the nun cry. But the lesson we learned from this is uh, parents, don't, uh, don't encourage your funny kids. You know, don't laugh at their jokes. Don't think their fart jokes are funny. Don't think it's adorable when they try to say fork and say fuck. That happens to every parent. And that, is, that moment is forever burned into the brain of every comedian. We might not have known what was going on at the time, but we picked up on the algorithm that something surprising and something dirty makes mom laugh. My sense of humor saved me about 14 years later. No, maybe 10 years later, I was in uh, high school. Uh, I guess I was 14. I was a freshman in high school. And I learned my first day of freshman year that my oldest brother, who had graduated the year before me, had picked on a kid mercilessly. Just been an asshole, a bully, every day of this poor kid's freshman year. So when he heard there was a freshman Larson coming into school, oh my God, he was thrilled. So he told me he was going to kick my ass first day of school. First, I didn't know any first day of school, he was going to kick your ass in the bus circle. And I, you know, I, I, school was out. I tried to get away, and he grabbed me. Alex Dvorak. I never remember his, never forget his name. Alex Dvorak. He grabbed me, and immediately the crowd turns around, and I, uh, and he puts me in a headlock, and he's just going to kick my ass. And I don't know why I thought of it, but as he has me in a headlock, I said, 
Ew, you have a boner. I thought you wanted to fight me, not fuck me. Oh, well, I learned an important lesson when sometimes homophobia can be used in our favor. It got such a huge, I ran all the way home. He did kick my ass later. But again, I learned that important lesson of comedy. Dino and I have known each other for a long time. We were, I think we were in a comedy competition many, many years ago out in San Francisco when we met. I've been in Ohio now about uh, five years, and I like Ohio. Oh, well, okay, now that is what we call in the comedy business a premise. You see, now I'm going to joke on saying I like Ohio. But I'll, first I'll say I, why I like it. I like Ohio because it moves. I'm from California. And, uh, yeah, I was a television writer for many years, and then I well, we sold our house in L.A. and bought a place in Plain City because that's what you do when your career is on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I will say it's worked out. I was, I would say I was a middle-of-the-road television comedy writer in Los Angeles. I am, by leaps and bounds, the most successful television comedy writer in Plain City. Absolutely. Those Mennonites got nothing on me. Nothing. You know the Mennonites? Yeah, they're like the JV Amish. Right? They are. They absolutely are. Right? The women still have to dress like uh, Little House on the Prairie, but the men get to drive pickups. Yeah. It's true. We have a restaurant out there in Plain City, the Der Dutchman. You know what that is? The Der Dutchman. Here's two words you don't hear often together. It's Amish cuisine. Yeah. It is. It's Amish food, but the Amish don't work in it because they can't. They need the Mennonites to work for because the Mennonites are able to turn on the deep fryer. And without a deep fryer, Der Dutchman would go out of business. <laughs> you can't make a fry pie without a deep fryer. Mm. But I do like Ohio. Ohio moves slower than the rest of the world. Could have something to do with the fact that on every newscast there is a toxic cloud over the state. What I love is that the city, and I live in one of Plain City. We we have railroads and chemical plants, and when there's a toxic cloud over Plain City, they'll say, "Oh, we didn't know it could happen here." Every time, it's like every week there's like a new city that is under a cloud in Ohio. <clears throat> Sorry, going through puberty. <clears throat> About time, yeah. But uh, Plain City is nice if you've never been there. It's it's a, it's. A, the uh, most honestly named city in Ohio. That's just plain city. Yeah. Got a Baskin Robbins they're really proud of. 31 flavors of vanilla. Well, 30 now. They thought French vanilla sounded gay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do like Ohio. Again, that's just a premise. Don't believe me. I like your governor, Governor DeWine. Oh, there's a governor. That's like the, uh, the old man from Up Without the Sex Appeal. <laughs> Isn't he? Oh, my God. He, uh, and, you know, we don't want to believe that he is as radically, radically right-wing as he is because he's just so darn lovable. He's just a little plush toy of a governor. 
but Ohio politics is it's it's uh, yeah well yeah you've kind of it, it's it's just maybe 20 years behind the rest of the country on everything else you know um, can but yeah 50 something yeah you know the uh, you have uh, medical marijuana here in Ohio the rest of the country is more or less legalizing it and in Ohio it's you need a prescription it's it's a serious medical now in California. When I was there, it was still medical, but you didn't, you could get a prescription for anything. I mean, literally, you would walk to the doctor, you go into the doctor, and they'd give you a, a checklist with the things they could prescribe it for, and you would just check one. I got mine for sickle cell. Yes. But in Ohio, you got to be sick. You need to have, like, AIDS or brain cancer to get it. And I, I like pot as much as an ex-comic but not enough to go out and get brain cancer. <laughs> Seemed to be a lot. But uh, I do want to thank you for letting me go through my new material. Yes, this is, uh, eh, you know, I got a couple keepers out of this. That's what I was just telling Ian. The great thing about this show is that you get new material out of it, right? <laughs> Comics, we usually, you know, we need to have like a, a, a meteor hit our house and go, oh, I got a meteor bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh well, I'll tell you uh one last uh little story here. I uh I am on the I mean uh, I live in my or I live in Plain City, but my daughter goes to school in uh, Dublin schools. Um and Dublin is very different from Los Angeles where we moved from, you know. Uh uh Dublin is uh Dublin, Ohio might be wider than Dublin, Ireland. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> For one thing, um, so the diversity. The first day of school, they said we pride ourselves on our diversity here in Dublin. This year's student body comes from families representing 17 different country clubs. <laughs> so, so that's nice, you know. So well, uh, I will be around for the rest of the show here with Dino. Enjoy the rest of your show. All right. Thank you. Mike Larson, everybody! Chip Cosell, let's check in on our bouncing baby boys over there at the writer's table and see how it's going. We are halfway through. The uh, writing contestants are uh, halfway through, I would say. How are you guys doing so far? I'm, I'm doing really good. I'm happy with where I'm at. A uh, lot of drug material. So. A lot of drug material. A lot of drug I'm pretty high. I went out and got more high while Mike was talking, so I think... <laughs> good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about you? How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. Most of our writing session has really just been us hitting a weed pen in the corner over here. Um, <laughs> I'm honestly pretty hungry. Uh, <laughs> no doubt we have a, a wonderful, but, uh, you know... Donut right here for are, are you if you guys want to split this. Let me explain the donut. Yeah. The men have water for nourishment and only one donut that sits in the middle. Why one donut, you ask? Because John Whitney, the creator of the premise, is an asshole. <laughs> so, yes, by all means, Untouched. share the donut. God yes, forbid go there should Rip be one it. for each of you. Yeah. Two you donuts go. were not in the budget. <laughs> Back to you, Dino. Thank you, Chip. All right, boys, continued success on the writing. Yeah, grab that microphone, Mr. Larson, if you would, please. Hey, guys, do threesies. Oh, shoot, too late. <laughs> Sorry. So, hey, buddy, 
Good to see you. Yeah. I like some of the new stuff. I Thank like you. the fact that you go ahead and take a shot at it. You got a lot of notes. But I also, I'm curious because uh, we were talking and I see a lot of notes and you're doing, you're still writing stand-up, but I understand you're also writing a book. I am. I'm finally, yeah, I'm writing a book called Read the Room, um, which is about my, you know, I've had this weird dual career that you know. Right. I've always been in comedy and a television comedy writer for many years, but all, that entire time I was also writing speeches for a bunch of politicians and I have half a dozen or so clients now around the country that I write speeches for. Um, and it wasn't until fairly recently that I was trying to make sense of of what my talent is, other than being a wise ass, right? And I'm mm -hmm. pretty good with words. Um, and it kind of came down to this idea of being able to read a, an audience, especially when you're writing speeches for other people. You got to kind of imagine what what's going to be there for them and who, do, who what what would be good for them, you mm -hmm. know. And and so anyway, so it's been a way of taking my different stories from the different parts of my life, um, and you know, to make it kind of uh, well, let's be honest. It's a good title. Read the room. Okay. It's a good let's title. Let's be honest. It's a strong title. It is a good start title. Somewhere, right. Yeah. And the rest of it is gravy. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. There's going to be a strong forward. A couple of my famous clients maybe will give me a blurb. Sure. The rest, that AI chat bot. That's all it's going to be. <laughs> that shit scares the hell out of me. It really does. Because it's actually pretty good. I, it's probably going to be funnier than yeah, right. me. Yeah, I know. It's actually I know. You want to believe that, oh, we'll know. We'll know. It's like, you know, the, the maybe the first time someone called you from Bangalore and said their name was Kevin, you believed it. But after a while, you realize, <laughs> ah, this seems like a thing they got going on. <laughs> and so I think, we, I mean, I like to believe that the AI stuff will say, oh, we'll, you know, but we won't. Well, you know, no, yeah, we got, we got, we got to, we got to. But if someone told guns. you that, for instance, Avatar, Blue Dream, whatever the new one was, was yeah. written by AI, you would say, I can see that. Yeah, that right? one I could see. Right, because a lot of it I didn't really get, and it's pretty. It's stuff that a computer would think humans would like. So yeah, I don't doubt that for no. a second. Well, good luck with the book. Yeah, and maybe I can. If, if if I was allowed to write something, I would actually steal your own line as far as a dedication. Oh, yeah. which one? I would say it's a, it's a good title. <laughs> it's a good title. <laughs> you know where they say don't judge a book by its cover? Judge this one by the cover. Uh, <laughs> After the cover, it goes downhill. When you were writing the political speeches for people, uh -huh. did you inject humor into those speeches? Oh yeah, that's really why they come to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, do they are they able to pull off the Larson brand of humor in their own way, or did you write? For them oh, in their voice. You write in their voice. And one of the things, especially when you get, when you work uh, as a, you're writing scripts, like as a television writer, you learn to write in other people's voices, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I wrote for, you know, Ellen. I wrote the first gay dating episode on network television uh, with, you know, I wrote for Ellen. I didn't know much about being a, at the time, 42-year-old lesbian or whatever. You know, I didn't know, but I know funny. Um and I wrote, wrote a Whoopies show. So, so, so you, you kind of get into their voice as much as you can. Occasionally, you, you're wrong. But I always start with it right off the bat. Say, the first draft I give you, 
I call it my vomit draft, and I put everything I can think of I want in this speech on a, on a draft, and I give it to you. And your job is to shoot it all down. If you shoot it all down except one line, I got something to build a speech on. Sure. You know, and usually they say, oh, I like that, but I would never say that. Or, and you kind of figure it out. Now that there's so many people that I've worked with over a long time that I'll – it's funny, as a comic, like say a meteorite hits your house, and you're like, I got a new meteorite joke. Well, when you write for other people, you're like – who can I sell this meteorite joke to? <laughs> you know, if I think of something new, now, it's like, oh, that would work really good with so and so in yeah. Chicago or whatever. You know, oh, what, um, what's the guy that makes all the rounds in the in the uh, in the in the science world right now with 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 the Bill Nye? Not Bill Nye. Okay, uh, the Cosmos guy, not Carl Sagan. He's oh, dead. The other Neil guy. deGrasse Tyson. Yes, that yes. one. Yeah, maybe he'd buy it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe Tyson needs a good he needs yeah. a good meteorite yeah. joke. He could be sitting there across from Jimmy Fallon using your joke. There you and go. Kill. He's a funny guy, though. He's yeah, he is. He's pretty amusing. But usually, it's not. I'm not saying a lot of other people are. Actually, most of the people I write for could easily write all of their own speeches, and they did for years. They just don't have the bandwidth or the time, and they mm -hmm. kind of like that they've there's somebody off doing that, and I don't need to deal with it, you know. Um, but occasionally, there have been a few that have just been. Horrible. <laughs> Horrible. When you were on the podcast with us, and I hope this isn't a sore spot, speaking of politics, you actually ran uh, yeah. for office. I did, yeah. Yeah. Did somebody write your speeches, or did you write your own? Oh, no. no. Actually, <laughs> honestly, I did have I've got a lot of friends who are also speechwriters, so I did have people say, hey, I got a line for you, you know, but... Um, Yes, so I ran. It's funny, something the other day I mentioned to them, we were in like a get to know, tell us something we would never guess about you. And I said, okay, I, a few years ago I ran for Congress. And they said, did you win? And I was like, wait a minute. Is that how I would have introduced myself? <laughs> that I ran? For, it's, it's, like, right, it's like you see Steph Curry, what did you do? Well, I tried out for the basketball, the basketball team. team. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh no. No, actually, I'm 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 president now. I'm sorry. Yeah. Didn't you know that? Yeah. No, I was, and we were talking about this before. When I ran, it it was in you know Jim Jordan in this very gerrymandered district, and no Democrat was going to win anyway. And so for me, it was an opportunity. I just moved to Ohio to kind of get to know the state, and to kind of engage. Um, and then. COVID, mm -hmm. uh, I'm stealing your BC, it's too obvious. How did I not think of that? That's such BC before COVID. Before COVID, no. Um, but you know, COVID, uh, sh it, the state shut down a week before that election. Right. Um, and so I was telling you, then they postponed the election for a month. And I was, I was pretty good with my money, but I had spent it all. By a week before the election, the money's gone, right? And then you got another month and it's like, I'm supposed to call people now and say, hey, you know how the economy is shut down? Well, I have this race I'm going to lose. <laughs> and I need $1,000. <laughs> you know? So, it, yeah. If, if anything, COVID really took the sting off it. It really did. I, I would imagine. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, you, know, hey, you know, wasn't it like, the, it was like the great excuse. It was right. the excuse oh, we used for everything. Yes. Yeah. Even, yeah. Even, even when things started to open up and lighten up a little bit and people would would ask you to come out and join them, and, and, and you realize that during the lockdown, they were, they were people that you really didn't care for to begin with, but now you had what, what I like to call FOVID, 
<laughs> you could use COVID as an excuse and say, you know what, I'm just not comfortable uh, going out oh, in I public know. just yet. I'm really, I'm just still really nervous. And then you go home and crack open a bottle of bourbon, order a pizza, and have at it. It was such a boon to the social anxiety world. It mm -hmm. really did that. I have an excuse up until the minute I get in the car. Yeah. <laughs> just a little tickle. I don't know. It could be sure, something. It's nothing, but just to be safe. Yeah. Did you get it? Did you get? No, I no. You never got it. No. Because you sound like you have it right fucking I now. Know, that's it. I was saying. <laughs> I know. Well, it was funny because this morning I woke up and I was coughing and I was like, man, a year ago I, I would just have to cancel the gig. You can't go even with like a, right, right. You know, really like in COVID if you like sneeze in the grocery store. Oh my god. Oh, the Black Death. I actually got in trouble at the Giant Eagle in my neighborhood early on in COVID. And I went to get, and we, were, we weren't learning all the tricks yet. And I was go, trying to buy grapes, and I couldn't open the damn plastic bag. <laughs> and so I pulled my mask down, licked my fingers. Ah! And oh, some woman looked at me, she goes, you did not just do that. I know, I feel horrible. I feel, I, I know, I'm a monster. They drag like, you out. Like, the like villagers it. come out with pitchforks. Burn him! And then you say, no, you go to the vegetables, you get the water. Oh, I didn't know there was yeah. moisture somewhere else I could have accessed. But, uh, oh, man. And, uh, and you mentioned... I want to... Uh, can I talk to you about... So you said you're six, you'll be 64 next month. Yeah. Next month. I'm, uh, well, I just got a notice from Social Security saying that at 63 and 10 months, uh -huh. you are able to get Social Security. And yeah. I'm 63 and 10 months, or 62 and 10 months. Right. Now is not the time to give myself an extra year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's funny because everything else, when I got, like, the first ARP mailers and stuff, you're kind of pissed. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not old. I'm 50. Why am I getting an ARP mailer? And then you go, but that credit card magnifying glass looks right? pretty sweet. It's nice. <laughs> that will come in handy in dark restaurants, let me tell you that. I felt the same way about the, uh, the, the little duffel bag. I could put my cholesterol medicine oh. in that one. My blood pressure medicine in this one. My yeah. wife's trunk has never been more organized right? since we got the ARP mm -hmm. trunk organizer. Have you seen the latest one? It's some sort of three-piece luggage set. That oh, really? I, yeah, because I let my membership expire, and I said, well, this might get oh, me back. This might back, not to mention, two years for $16. What the hell? How are they making money off the old people? And that ARP swag really <laughs> impresses the ladies, let me tell you. You show up somewhere with an ARP Arp you know what? <laughs> here, 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 my goals have gotten a lot lower in life. Uh, I want to be on the cover of AARP oh, magazine. Man. That's what I want my new cover to be. I, I want. I hate to say it, Dino. I think you've aged uh, out. Yeah, maybe you may have. Yeah, they're going for a younger demographic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the buzzer. That's the buzzer. That means the time is up over there. So, bring back uh, Dan Seabree and Ian Miller, ladies and gentlemen, for a quick chat. Grab a microphone, fellas. I think we got microphones to go around. There we go. All right. Everybody's got a microphone. So, real quick, Mike was actually running uh, for Congress of my hometown. Uh, and all you need to know about that hometown is he was never going to win if he was wearing a mask to a giant eagle. <laughs> like, that's... That wasn't gonna happen. Nah, dude, you would never won because you were at Giant Eagle. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> we're Kroger, bitch. <laughs> yeah, Giant Eagle's pretty highfalutin. Yeah, there, dude, so. you gotta do more shopping at an IGA.
Yo, for real though, fuck John. <laughs> <laughs> like, save oh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we'll chat more after you guys get done with your, your job for this evening. So was 20 minutes sufficient enough to put together five minutes of brilliant material that you're going to try oh, out on this audience? It had to be brilliant? Yeah, oh, well, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged. We put together some material. There you uh, go. <laughs> and that's the idea. 20 minutes to write five minutes based on a premise. Who had premise number one? You did? Dan. Premise number one went to you. Yes, which is so you parents. Parents and, yeah, the problem with parents. Problem so without parents. further ado, his five minutes of stand-up comedy, ladies and gentlemen. Let's hear it for Dan Seabree. <laughs> the, uh, the set was about parents. I honestly was half tempted to just walk away. I was like, that's like Dad. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> zing. <laughs> Cool, what's up everybody, how's it going? Hell yeah. I'm a little bit stonder than I thought I was gonna be, to be honest with you, but I feel pretty good. Uh, now, uh, I don't know if I wanna have kids, I'm not sure if that's uh, something I wanna do, but I think if you do have kids, I think like what you wanna be is like, in some way, like objectively better than your parents, right? Like you wanna improve on an area where you feel like they didn't do as well, you wanna succeed, right? So my big plan to be better than my dad is to um, have kids and uh, not hit them. So, <laughs> pretty low bar. Uh, <laughs> hey, listen, if you're not really into this, that's on you, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> we didn't have very long, so not all of these are going to be winner, winner, chicken dinner, okay? <laughs> Some of them are going to be sad, some of them are going to make you think, and some of them, some of them are going to be like, you had that before, and I'm not going to tell you, uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> now, my dad, uh, he passed away when I was 18, and you can tell by my nose ring, and, uh, <laughs> and he, he passed away on Father's Day, around Father's Day, so um, what I like to do is, like, every year, I like to do something that he used to do to kind of keep his memory alive for me, like, keep it relevant, you know what I mean, so I don't forget who he was, right? So uh, this year on Father's Day, uh, I went fishing, and then when I got home, I cheated on my mom. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> with Dino and uh, <laughs> Zing. <laughs> nah, uh, I was raised by a single mom, which means I'm real good at crying and drinking wine in the bathtub. It's my shit. Uh, <laughs> I fucking rule at it, dude. It's awesome. It's the easiest thing I've ever done. Uh, but I, like, all my friends were like shitheads growing up. You know what I mean? And so uh, all my friends are like, oh, Dan, I'm going to fuck your mom. And I'm like, fucking make it worth her time then. You know what I mean? <laughs> and look, yeah, look, you might be offended or like, but listen, my mom raised four kids alone without help from anybody else. She deserves to get reeled out for more than anybody in this fucking room. So... <laughs> Somebody please fuck my mom uh, <laughs> and be my new dad. I would really <laughs> uh, like that. Cool. I started writing jokes about drugs too, but I have uh, another one. <laughs> and then one about, you guys are talking about COVID a lot. And then I was like, I want to write one about that. And I did, and it's mean, and I want to do it, but I'm not allowed. Uh, fuck yeah. I'm going to do, can I do two more? I'm going to do a COVID thing. And, okay. Uh, you, <laughs> this one's really going to suck. Uh, you ever talk to somebody and uh, get surprised COVID didn't kill them? You know what I mean? 
You're like, you seem like somebody that has their mouth open a lot. You know? <laughs> cool. Uh, I don't know, like people getting mad that Bud Light's gay or something. Like, I'm like, damn, I'm how are you not dead? Like, what the fuck? Like, that's what you're getting mad about? Like, it's like, look, I'm bi or whatever, and I don't think gay beer can be gay, but I wouldn't draw the line at Bud Light, you know what I mean? <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, I got uh, two nephews and a niece, which is a cool way to say my sister's good at fucking. Uh, <laughs> or really bad at it, depending on your perspective, right? I mean, from my point of view, she's pretty bad at it, because I've never had sex, and then been like, man, I hope something happens later on. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but uh, I was hanging out with her, and I was like, what's up with the kiddos? What are they doing lately? And she's like, fucking obsessed with Bluey the dog. And I was like, yeah, right. And I was like, what's Bluey the dog? And she was like, oh, it's this blue dog from Australia that teaches them life lessons. She's pretty new. The kids love it. And I turned into like a Fox News uncle for like 30 seconds. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You mean to tell me these Australian immigrant dogs are, <laughs> are coming into our country and taking our good American blue dog having jobs? I was like, what's next? Clifford the Big Red Dingo? What the fuck? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and I watched it, and I was like, this is pretty good. Uh, <laughs> but then I watched like two episodes, and halfway through the second episode, I started to learn a lesson, and I was like, we're going to turn this shit off. Uh, I still love my mom. So it's <laughs> like, all right, I think that's all I got. <laughs> Damn. Dan Seabree. We'll chat more with Dan here in just a little bit, and Ian as well. After Ian joins us this evening, how's with it his going? Comedic premise. Hell yeah! Comedically dazed and confused. Go for it. Uh, before I get started, if you're wondering why my eyes look like this, it's because I'm half Asian and super baked right now. So. <laughs> It's a good one-two punch, man. It's the best part about being Asian. I get to go to work every day super high, and no one can say shit to me. It's, one time I went into work, and some lady tried to start something. I walked in, and she was like, hey, Ian, your eyes are really red and really squinty right now. Are you high? And I was like, no, I'm Asian, and now you're racist. What's up? Yeah. Let's see who wins this fight in HR, Pam. It's going to be me. I don't care. If I smell like the inside of Snoop Dogg's car, you are not allowed to say squinty to the Asian kid, all right? And you know what, fuck it, when we get down there, I'm gonna say you call me chinky, because I hate you. What's up? Hell yeah, this side of the room likes me, this side of the room laughed a lot at the AARP jokes. So, I had a feeling this is, might be how it went. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna slightly face this way. Um, <laughs> So I don't drink, I'm not a drinker. Comedians, we do a lot of shows in breweries and I always go and they're like, hey, you can have all the beer you want. I'm like, that's not, I don't drink. Uh, and then like white people are always like, why not? And I'm like, oh, I can't, I'm Asian. I can't handle my liquor. I have two beers and I'm super fucked up. And they're like, oh man, as big as you are, you can't drink, that's pretty messed up. I'm like, no, it's not. It's genetics, right? I'm Asian, right? You're white. Your people have been drinking for thousands of years. Yeah, you know what my people have been doing? Kick it in an opium den. <laughs> That's what we're doing. That's why we can smoke. I can smoke any white person you've ever met under the table. <laughs> it's crazy. That's why Dan's so high right now, and I'm just fine. You know what I mean? 
I was like, this is strategy. We're competing. Yeah, dude, let's keep passing that pen back and forth. We'll be, we'll be all right. My problem is white people make fun of me for not being able to handle like alcohol. I can't make fun of white people for not being able to handle opiates because it's an epidemic, you know? And I think that's really, dude, I did that joke in West Virginia. They fucking hated it. <laughs> it was, they were like, too close to home. Um, man, uh, Dan did a joke about drugs, so I'm going to do a joke about parents uh, to play fair. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm half Asian, like I said earlier, it's because my dad, he's, he's Korean. Uh, and when you're Korean, you'd ask a stupid question. Or, I'm sorry, I fucked up this joke, because maybe I'm as, just as high as Dan. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but no, my dad's Asian, and like having an Asian parent's terrible. Uh, if you ever get the choice, don't do it. Uh, yeah, dude, their expectations are way too high. When I was in school, my dad thought I was gonna be a doctor or a lawyer. Uh, after school, I was an MMA fighter for a little bit. My dad thought I was gonna be the UFC champion. Uh, yeah, bad <laughs> expectations. Uh, but now he lives in Florida and he doesn't know a lot about me. Uh, this winter, he called me up and he was like, hey, Ian, do you want a bong for Christmas? And I was like, hey, dad, when'd you fucking give up on me? You know, that's not a gift you give someone you love. And he was just like, I haven't given up on you. I think you can be the best comedian in the world. I just know that weed is like steroids for comedy, and it's about time that you start juicing, okay? <laughs> just like, thanks, dick. Uh, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you with a story. Um, this I used to live in a really bad neighborhood. Still do, but it's not as bad. Uh... The best part about this neighborhood, though, is I live behind the world's shittiest Wendy's, right? Uh, it was great. I'll give you my favorite story. One time, I went in there uh, to get a four for four. Uh, the woman behind me went in to have a heroin overdose. Yeah, anybody ever been in that Wendy's? Uh, I was just like, holy shit, and the dude behind the counter was like, don't worry, this happens all the time. Uh, yeah, same exact second, 75-year-old black man walks in and kicks open the door and is just like, hi, everybody, how's it going? And I'm like, not now, all right? He said, what's happening? I said, heroin overdose. He said, let me handle that shit. I was smoking rocks for like 30 years. Yeah, and here's the thing, Shadowbox, if anybody ever says that to you, you let them handle that shit, Okay. <laughs> That's 30 years of smoking crack. That's like 120 years of college. It's so much knowledge. So I was just like, after you. Uh, and he walks over to the lady, and he looks at her, uh, and then he looks at her boyfriend, and he goes, what's her name? Uh, and then the boyfriend says, Crystal. And the crackhead says, of course it is. Which really helped break the tension in a Wendy's. Uh, what he does next is straight up magic. He reaches down and he grabs her by the jacket and he goes, Crystal, are you there? Crystal, can you hear me? Uh, and then he cranks that shit up to 11 and goes, Crystal, you're embarrassing yourself. Uh, and then he reaches way back and smacks the fuck out of Crystal. Here's the thing, she came to like that scene from Pulp Fiction. She's just like, <gasps> and then the Wendy's guy goes, holy shit, a crackhead slap is just like Narcan. <laughs> and uh, that's just good to know. <laughs> that's, that's it for me. All right, Ian Miller. Yes, here he is. All right. Keep your thoughts in your head for a little bit, and we'll have some voting before the night is out and declare a winner. Gentlemen, first of all, nice round of applause for all three of these guys. Uh, yeah. For entertaining you this evening. 
But I got I got some questions I want to know. I, I, I've, I've met you both on separate occasions and for very short amounts of time, so I really don't know that much about you. Uh, Ian, you mentioned you were an MMA fighter. Correct. Yeah. How long did that go uh, for real? I mean, were, did, did, were you ever super serious about it? Yeah. At one time in like 2012, I was the number one ranked super heavyweight in the tri-state area. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Then I got into a motorcycle accident ah. and then I did stand up. So that's like I I had started stand up in like in May. You sound like the most toxic dude on the planet. Oh, dude! Like, like literally anybody. Like I used to fight, then I had to quit because my motorcycle shit out on me, and now I give people my fucking opinions. Yeah. <laughs> it's way worse when you realize that in the middle, Joe Rogan was the one that was like, "Maybe try stand up," and I was just like, "Let's figure it out." <laughs> it's okay. I've grown a lot as a person. <laughs> it's it's all right. Oh wow. And and uh, Dan, yes. Uh, this is this this. I love little fun facts about comics that you would never think in a million years they were. You were an Eagle Scout. Yeah, I forget all the time. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was an Eagle Scout. I mean, that's that takes some work and some effort. That takes commitment. That takes yeah. A it, lot. Took, it took like uh, seven years. Here's the thing about Boy Scouts. This is what happens when you're a Boy Scouts. You're, you either are like one, you know, you're like a Lord of the Rings kid, you know what I mean? You either get, or like they get Eagle Scout at like 15, and then they're like just do extra stuff for like three years, and then you get like people like me who smoked weed when they were Boy Scouts and got the rank right before Eagle at 15, and then three weeks before their 18th birthday, was like, I fucking gotta finish this. <laughs> <laughs> I've been hanging out for too long to just walk away. Yeah, like, I've been chilling in the woods for a minute. Uh, did you build a gazebo? No, I did not build a gazebo. Um, what I did was, this part's not funny. I mean, it's funny because it's for a church, but uh, <laughs> which I don't go to anymore. Uh, but what I did was uh, they had recently, I went to, if you couldn't tell, I went to a church that was also my high school. And... Um, they had they like did all this like construction to make the school legal for children to be inside and because um, I was like oh, I guess it's just not but uh, so they put like all these fire escapes in and stuff and so like they tore up like the landscape and it looked like ugly as shit so uh, me and like all my friends my Boy Scout troop like got rid of like all the dirt uh, we put like new topsoil down we planted grass seed uh, my grandparents owned a um, like mold making business so they made like. Uh, like bird baths and like uh, stone benches and like all this stuff. We made like a big garden and stuff. You were right. That's not funny. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it at the beginning. I, mean, I, I am by, so I am technically still going to hell, but uh, <laughs> and that's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. Landscaping. Oh man, at the Larson, were you a scout? No. Oh, you know what? My mom signed me up for the Boy Scouts in sixth grade, but not as it was an all disabled Boy Scout troop. <laughs> and they were going to like scout a rama and they needed other able-bodied boys to push their wheelchairs through the mud. Oh my god. So my god. mom signed me up. So I wasn't a scout. I <laughs> I don't know, but I mean it was a good experience for me, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to live my life just not telling every single person that I did that. <laughs> like, that's, I'll be like, guess what I did once? Like, I'm a better person than you. Yeah, that's what I did. You know what, Ian? I have better things. You can have that one. <laughs> oh, <dude>. yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. 
Yeah, I have not done a lot nice for other people ever. So you're like, I'm such a Democrat. How <laughs> how democratic are you? <laughs> I wrote for Ellen the first TV show, <laughs> and I pushed handicapped kids through the mud, which sounds worse. It sounds bad when I say it, but it's like a good thing. <laughs> Yeah, depending on how you say I pushed handicapped kids through the mud, it, <laughs> it's like either the nicest thing or like the most fucked up thing ever. It depends on how much you use of that sentence. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, where's the oomph? In <laughs> I pushed handicapped children through the mud. The end. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what it's like, a bastard. Huh? You still smile at the yeah. end. <laughs> well, I'm enough of a word guy to know that I said disabled. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, I Republican did up. Uh, <laughs> Fox News Uncle Dan yeah, coming out again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And Ian, you know, I can't get the whole... Because I, 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 I'm sorry, but there's... A, my, my, my cousin is, is in the MMA rakes right now. He just went from amateur status to pro. He had two You're Italian, fights. right? Italian and Greek. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. What's his name? Uh, 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 Valandi. Valandi Atos. Oh, that's a name. I'd remember it if I yeah. heard it. Yeah, he just won his first two fights, but he's just... Ugh. Yeah, no, and you that's... Seem, and you seem so... Maybe it's not the right... So sweet. Yeah, So no. kind. Yeah, it's... You don't it's... seem like you have a killer... There's a reason I was bad at it. <laughs> it's... No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I like... You're not uh, here because you're super good at MMA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hurt. Yeah, no, I, I... It's crazy because, like... I grew up, like we were talking about with Mike, I grew up in like a super Republican, like rural Ohio, uh, but I'm also like a liberal at heart. And it's weird being raised in those two like dichotomies because one of them, I am like the liberal artsy guy and the other one, I'm like the weird meathead guy. So it's like a very, but yeah, no, that was the thing is like, so it's complicated there's like two sides of people that do mma one pe like one group of people is people that just want to like beat people up uh and the other one are people that like want to do yoga but competitively and <laughs> like if you want to smoke weed and do yoga that could kill somebody that's mma that's and MMA. it's like a really fun time wow you 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 lost me on the yoga on how it's like it's like it, now granted I don't I watch it. MMA there's like so like the saw it's like so mar martial arts are generally like put into two different categories like right. hard martial arts and like soft martial arts and jujitsu which is like right. the reason that I got into MMA is like very much both of those uh, and it's like very like yoga centric and most of the people that do it are also very average yogis so you get like those like weird people that do yoga for six hours a day and then come in and try to like choke people uh, out yeah, so and it's like, it's like, it's like that's like forms and breathing techniques, yeah exactly and just like getting flexible like it's really hard to you like to just like have the kinesthetics and body awareness to to do things without doing it i do yoga i used to do yoga a lot now i just lift weights because it's way easier yoga needs to rebrand itself man yeah no and like i think that it's like in california it's done a very good job and it's like it's like a cool thing to see this is just like something that only affects me, so I'm sure it's great for a podcast. Uh, but it's really cool to see like martial arts and that be taken over by like a lefter, more liberal thing. And it's just like an infusion of just like, yeah, super like hippie dudes that are also now doing martial arts. And it's really cool. Right. 
Well, I want to close things out here because I have an opportunity for a trifecta of sorts here in respect to my question with all three gentlemen because there is a weird connection here this evening. Uh, that, that we, we start with, with, with Dan. Dan, you are non-binary when you said, or you're comfortable with bisexual. Yeah. One or the other. Or both. I or mean, both. typically it's both. Well, it's not. <laughs> it is both, but I looked at the crowd. I was like, you could just say bisexual. I think they'll get it. Right? Okay. Dan be queer as fuck is what we're trying to say up here. Let me let me just, and I'll tell you where I'm going with all this. Okay, so you got that. Then, Ian, you told me when we were chatting up that, your mom just had a revelation as well, gave you to just announce something to you. Yeah, about uh, a couple years ago, my mom came out to me as being bisexual. As being bisexual. Yeah. And then Larson, you made me think for a second. You said, I'm getting ready to take my son on college tours. And I'm like, when did he get a son? He's got two daughters. But I finally have the son I always wanted. <laughs> my 16 year old. How fucking democratic am I yeah, now? Yeah, right. <laughs> You're like, I'm a triple threat. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> no, yeah, my 16-year-old son, yeah, goes by. And it's very, a fairly new thing. You know, on one hand, he was lucky to be born into a family that accepts him. On mm -hmm. the other hand, it's he's losing out on all that fun stuff of his community, of having parents who are condemning him to hell. <laughs> that's, that's I think right, you right. ever feel like you're missing? You have no one to bitch about? Oh, I still bitch about you. <laughs> and when your mom came out and said she was bisexual, how did that go over? Uh, it went great. My favorite part is that, like, <laughs> my mom was like, so I'm bisexual. And then she was like, uh, also, don't tell your brother. <laughs> uh, and I was just like, favorite kid, what's well, up? There, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll take that one. Also, I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> no, that I think about it. His <laughs> secret might be out. Yeah, we'll keep it. We'll keep it away. It's all right. Uh, it's not a big podcast. He's actually a huge podcast guy. Uh -huh. We'll figure it out. Also likes whiskey. He's really your demographic. Uh -huh. so. He's actually right over there. No, I <laughs> and Dan, where, then when it, where the, the bisexual, I mean, I was, I was wondering. Were, uh, are there leanings more one way or the other, or is it what the heart wants, what the heart wants? Well, I mean, like, day? I'm really good at eating pussy, if that's what you're asking. But, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's, like a, it's like a spectrum. There's not a river that doesn't contain a bend. Do you know what I mean? It's like, uh, I mean, like, I've been dating a woman for six years, uh -huh. so, like, most of my sex is not that gay. Uh, <laughs> that, Still a little gay. That gay. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, like, I think it's also, I mean, like, here's the thing, homie. If <laughs> I'm into, like, white trash twinks, which is weird, but and also, like, Jewish people. So, uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> I don't care what you're rocking, as long as you look nice, <laughs> I got some free time. You know what I mean? So let's get, let's get going. It goes back to what I said, the heart wants what the heart wants. Yeah, I mean, right. Hey, it's about the person. Yeah, right. It's, it is, about, it the is about the person. But I think, like, like in all seriousness, like, it's, it's easier to be, like, walking around, like, oh, she's hot. It's, like, the ex expected thing, you know right. what I mean? But, like, it's gone the other way. Like, you're not supposed to do that. So I'll, like, pass a woman, like, you're ugly is how I enter. Right now. <laughs> Like, I like boys. And then, <laughs> so I just, yeah. Uh, all right, how about Also, that? it is, I will say, 
Go ahead. Because it is like things like like it used to be like totally acceptable to objectify women, and like now it's not. Thank God. But now it's like no one's saying shit about objectifying straight dudes, and it's the most fun you can have. You just like walk up to your friend, and you're like, "What's up, beefcake?" And then like that's. <laughs> Anytime you see a dude in shorts where you can see his knees, just say "nice thighs." <laughs> yeah. Just say it. You, even if you can't see his thighs, just be like, "Nice thighs," and watch his eyes get scared for just a second. Yeah. Like, Actually, watch those thighs get tight. <laughs> <laughs> Big round of applause dancing right. Mike Larson. And now you poor people have to vote and decide who will be the winner this evening. So gentlemen, if you could take center stage for just a moment. Contestant number one. Yeah. Dan. Dan. All right. Applause for Dan Seabree. And applause for Ian Miller. A little, I, I don't know. I that, I <laughs> sounds that like a tie. Of, <laughs> sounds like a tie to me. That's you know honestly, what? That's it is a tie. The best thing that could it is a tie. It's it a tie. Hey, before we go, fellas, before we go, tell everybody where they can see you on a regular basis. Well, actually, funny enough, if you like Dan and I just bullshitting into microphones, uh, every Tuesday we run a show together at Half-Baked Brewery in the Short North called The Interruption Mic, uh, where we get comics to come upstage. Any comic in the city can sign up. Uh, but Dan and I sit in the back and talk during their sets, make fun of them, help write their jokes. Uh, so if you like comedy, especially the improv stylings of Dan and I, it's a great show for you. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Check it out. So we do uh, we do a bunch of stand up like all the time. Like we just have a lot of shows going on in Columbus and outside of Columbus. So if you want to see like an actual show of ours, uh, honestly the easiest way is to follow us on any social media like Facebook, Ian Miller. Uh, my name's Dan Seabree. You can follow me on Instagram at Gay Frank Zappa, uh, <laughs> and you can and you can follow Ian at Corexican. If you want to know how, know how to spell either of those, just hit us up, and we'll be right over there later. <laughs> so, Fair enough. All right, thank you guys very much. Thank, thank you. you. And Mr. Larson, what about you? How can people find you? Uh, I got nothing to plug. I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing a bunch of fundraisers around for private groups. But you can find me on uh, Twitter at MikeLarsonOH or on Facebook, Mike Larson. All right, one more big round of applause. Mike Larson, Dan Seabree, Ian Miller. Our first night at the premise is done, people. Did you have fun? <laughs> Me too. My name's Dino Tripodis. Until the next premise, see ya. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.